everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And this week we had the pleasure of beating Southern Miss twice. Not once, but twice. Hell yeah. Too bad we can't say thrice. Mm. I mean, I physically can say the word thrice. If they were going to make it to the conference tournament, maybe we could beat them again. But Southern Miss, not very good. Let's just say the Sun Belt's getting a good... uh, a great program there. Yeah, um, cue, cue the Tommy McClellan clip. Um, <laughs> but they did make these games a little bit more interesting than than we uh, might have thought they would. Yeah, yep. and we'll get to those games in a second, especially the second one. Felt like it was way too close for way too long. But before we get to that good news about Tech's victories over the Golden Eagles, we have some football news to get to. First things first, Evan, tell us about this recruit that just <laughs> committed to Tech. Four-star running back, DeAnthony Gatson from Newton High School in Texas. That's right. Out of nowhere. I don't think this guy was on any of our radar. No. In terms of like a guy that Tech's coaching staff has been talking to. Like, I had no idea. And now, all of a sudden, we've got a four-star running back. 17th um, ranked halfback in the United States. 17th ranked. Yeah. In his high school career at Newton High School in Texas, he rushed for 5,600 yards and 83 touchdowns. And yeah, According to Rivals.com, he is the 17th best running back in the entire country. In the country, people. In yeah. the entire country. He was, he was previously committed to USC, the University of Southern California, you know, tiny little school you probably never heard of. Yes. Um, also holds offers from Baylor, Texas. Iowa State, Colorado, Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, Missouri, South Carolina, TCU, Texas Tech, and Utah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of big names there. Um, it's not, and to be clear, obviously this is just a verbal. It's nothing. It's yeah, yeah. We got to hold on to him for dear life for about two and a half weeks here. Yeah, uh, February second. Get, get that signature on that dotted line faxed in for whatever reason we're still would, using fax machines. I would. Well, you'd be surprised how much those are used in business. But I would say that if we've only got what you said, two and a half weeks left. Yeah. If he's if he's verbally committing with two weeks left, I would say that it's it's not a sure shot, but pretty damn close. Yeah. I'm. I mean, at this point, it's why? Not like he made, it's not like he committed several months ago. Yeah, who's um, going to come in at this point that's going to take him away when he's already got offers from yeah, all exactly. of the P5s in Texas, basically? Exactly. Because there's so, a, a lot of those Texas kids stay in Texas. Yeah. And uh, if Texas has offered him, uh, which I believe they have. Yeah, this is the highest rated player ever. since Rivals.com started gra- uh, grading recruits like 20 years ago. It's this is be the ever. highest recruit yeah. that Tech has ever gotten on the rivals star system and an offense of Landry Liddy and uh, I was about to say, yeah, it's pretty fun. Speaking of Liddy though, this week he was named Mr. Football by, I believe the Louisiana sports writers association. So just another accolade to the guy who already has signed his name on that dotted line and will start as a postpone. Yeah. Thank God he did not postpone to the, uh, yeah, that would have (laughs) the late signing period. Gotta love that he went all the way to Boise for uh, some sh- uh, champagne and caviar. And then, uh, <laughs> I think we gotta start moving some games to Treefort, though, if we're gonna have a Mr. Football play for us, because they've had some pretty good games in that stadium. Yeah, just play at Calvary Calvary Baptist High School, yeah. Don't do that. Or Johnny Manziel coming in and wrecking us, our defense, in 2012. Ten years ago, hard to believe. Yeah. Wow. 
But a couple games only happened this week in basketball, both against Southern Miss. Uh, both these games started kind of similar and ended up in different places, but both ended as victories for the Bulldogs. Evan, you want to go ahead and give the 90-second recap for this first game? Yeah. The Bulldogs started out relatively slow yet again, with only seven points scored in the first five minutes of play. After a little bit of a good offensive stretch, put Tech up 14-6. to USM answered with a 9-0 run, making the score 15-14 to uh, Golden Eagles in the lead. But Tech followed that up with a 14-point run of their own to go up 28-15, to and it seemed like the Dogs had this one under control. Um, with two and a half minutes left in the first half, Tech was up 31-18, to but then USM closed the half on a 6-0 run to pull within single digits. First four minutes of the second half were pretty much the same, both teams missing more shots than they made, kind of nobody really taking control of the game. With 16 minutes left in the game, it was 35-30 to with Tech in the lead. Then the Bulldogs went on an absolute tear, scoring 26 of the next 30 points. So all of a sudden, the Bulldogs found themselves up by as many as 34 points with less than five minutes to play. The only things of note from the end of this game were that USM's Jerron Pierre Jr. could not miss from three. He hit four late second half threes to make the score, I guess, mildly respectable. And then two, Ben Ponder, the walk-on true freshman from Shreveport, got into Hell the game, yeah. touched the ball a couple times. The crowd was, was you know cheering with anticipation when he came into the game and then every time he touched the ball the crowd would go wild and you know yell yell for him to shoot and, you know he always passed the ball off they were playing him honestly they were covering him pretty uh pretty aggressively for being down like 30 points the anticipation in the crowd was really building up to a fever pitch and then with the shot clock turned off and the announcers literally talking about how he's not going to take the shot because you know, the, the shot clock's turned off. Tech's up by 23 or 20 points. <laughs> then this happens with five seconds left. Normally you dribble the clock out. Mike, you want to yell out there a call for Ponder to get in the ball? There he is. And that three-pointer is what gave the Dogs an 80-57, to 23-point victory over the Golden Eagles on Thursday night. 23-point win. Yeah, I, it did not feel like a 23-point win through most of that game. But by the end, I mean, Tech just ran away with it. Yeah, it uh, was that run was crazy. I mean, um, especially because, and we can talk about this in a minute, but Tech wasn't really playing their their key starting guys during most of that run. Yeah, the lineup through a lot of that run was Triple A, Amari Archibald, David Green, Damian Bradford, Keiston Willis, Stacey Thomas. I mean, very similar to how we said last week about one of the games where we had four bench players on the court. I guess this is three here, but still yeah. the ability to do things with Lofton on the bench, with Kobe Williams on the bench. Even here, Stacey Thomas, instead of even our normal yeah. big guy and Kenny Hunter, he's on the bench right now, too. We, Stacey Thomas, our third string, effectively big, we're able to go on a 26-4 run when most of the lineup were those five guys. And that's incredible. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess I'll say first off that one of the reasons why Lofton didn't play much during that second half stretch we talked about 
was because he was actually out for a lot of it with a little bit of an injury. I don't think it was very serious. He was actually like, you could see him on the sidelines riding the exercise bike, trying to loosen up his leg or, or whatever it was that he was dealing with. But, you know, I think if it had remained a close game, I think coach Conkle would have put him back in and Lofton would have wanted to go back in. But, you know, like I said, all of a sudden you find yourself up 34 points and you're like, Oh, cool. We're, we're putting yeah, Ben Russell. Ponder, not Kenneth Lofton jr. So yeah. <laughs> Not a not a crazy stat line for Ken in this game, uh, Ken Lofton, but still had the most rebounds with ten. Yeah. So did he have a double double or or did he no, not score? No, no seven points. Seven, oh, points. seven points. Okay. Uh, yeah. But it was Katy Perry, aka Keiston uh, Willis, hot and cold, who uh, set it off in this one uh, with twenty one freaking points, four of ten from three, but eight for sixteen from the field. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. No, it was it was really good stuff from Willis and. One thing I noticed about this game was that Tech was using Lofton, you know, normally what we've seen a lot this season is Lofton will get the ball in the paint and then a team will double or triple him and he'll pass it outside, right? And then it's really on that shooter like Willis or, you know, sometimes Kobe, sometimes Xavier Christian, like whoever gets the ball is supposed to either pass to the open man for the three or take the three themselves. But this game, Tech was using Lofton a little bit more outside because Southern Miss was crashing him to not even allow him to get into the paint with the basketball, which is fair because when Lofton gets in the paint with the basketball, he does that's where he does most of his damage, right? But what I thought was really impressive and different about this game was that Lofton was then being doubled up at the top of the key and a guy like Willis or Christian or... David Green would crash the lane. Lofton would find him, pass him the ball, and get an easy lay-in. Nathan, did you notice that at all, or was that just me? Yeah, there were some great passes that Lofton made in this game um, underneath to just defeat those double teams and things like that. Uh, I mean, really, that to me is what stands out the most, is just some of the creativity with everyone knows we're going through Lofton. We know we're going through Lofton. How can we make this work when we both know the same thing? And so it looks different in every game, but this game especially. Yeah. And, and I've started. It was you know, fun to watch. Yeah. We, we've we talked about his like cross court passes, right? And we've called those out as great plays. Yeah. But like he's got great vision, you know, regardless of where he is on the court and this passing ability. That's like you're not expecting it from your six foot seven center who's, you know, on tape is just bullying people inside. Right. That's what everybody notices. But like. So you so Southern Miss's game plan, which is not a bad plan, really, was to double him outside of the lane to make sure that he can't get inside to bully you. But then the problem is they were leaving the back door wide open for a guy like Kobe Williams to streak in and, and catch the ball and lay it in easily, right? And so, you know, that's how you end up with Keiston Willis, who normally only takes three pointers, right? He ends up with four shots made that are not three pointers. Um you know, from, from two point, he's what four for six. So, I mean, that's, that's really good. Um, so he's taking a lot more points and, you know, even with Lofton only scoring seven points in this game, tech has 34 points in the paint. So there was only one game where Keystone Willis took more two point shots. This actually was the most two point shots he took in the game. It's just been really fun to watch the different ways that coach Conkle is figuring out how to develop the game plan around Kenneth Lofton's different skill sets, right? Because, I mean, this yeah. is a game where, Matt, like you said, his his stat line's nothing really that impressive, seven points, ten rebounds. 
yeah, that's 10 rebounds, but like, you know, he's, he's had nights recently where he's had 23 points and 12 rebounds. Right. So it's like, okay, well they, they really took him out of this game. No, they didn't. (laughs) They just tech figured out a different way to use him. I mean, that's the key for tech too, is being able to be good outside of Lofton so that you can use him as a decoy and still be good because you're not gonna be able to run every single play through him and be successful. Um, you also said that we call out his cross court passes when they're when they look good, and I mean he had another one in this game, so that was I think we broke the streak yes on the Saturday or Sunday game, but it felt like every game there had been a cross court pass from Lofton. <laughs> but yeah, so this game going into it, the all time series record against Southern Miss was forty three and forty four, so Tech had oh, wow. one more loss to the Golden Eagles than they had win. So after this game, it's all evened up at forty four games apiece. Going into the Sunday matchup back in How Hattiesburg. That possible? That's crazy that it. Yeah. Southern Miss hasn't beat us in the tech since like, or in Ruston since like 1960 something. Uh, how is that series that even? We must have struggled. I can't. Yeah, I guess we never guess. went in Hattiesburg, huh? That's what you're telling me. Yeah. Uh, but going for the series lead. Tech travel to Hattiesburg, hoping to, what it sounds like, go against what they've done historically and take a game from the Golden Eagles on their home court. Uh, So here we go with, I'll take the 90 second recap this time. Uh, It's always fun to play the team you just whooped by 23 points in the Tech on the road three days later, right? Uh, Maybe not, because this game was pretty weird. Nothing seemed to be happening for either team early as the teams just went back and forth. A seven-point opening run for Tech was answered by a 9-2 run for Southern Miss. Then with 2.30 left in the half, the Bulldogs found themselves in a four-point hole down 26-22. And that's when Lofton took over. He hit a layup, hit the and-one free throw, picks up a block on Southern Miss's next possession, then a defensive rebound and a pass out to Kobe Williams, who gets fouled going in for the layup. On USM's next trip down the court, Lofton steals it and passes it down to Willis, who misses the layup, but, uh, but Lofton secures the offensive board, allowing Willis to hit the buzzer-beating three from NBA range to end the half up 30-26. to 26. Yeah. That man was standing basically on the state line between Mississippi and Alabama on their court. Yeah, it was a good shot. Yeah. It was the last... Uh... Last shot I saw in this game. And I was like, okay, momentum. I love any any excuse to yell at my television. Uh, the second half went back and forth yet again, with Southern Miss taking a four-point lead out of the gate. The teams remained deadlocked with Lofton on the bench for after two quick whistles led to his second and third fouls of the game before the clock even hit 18 minutes left in the second half. But with 14 minutes left and the score still tied at 38, Conkel puts Lofton back in and lets him work. In the next five minutes of play, Junior puts up 10 of Tech's 12 points on the way to a seven-point lead, by the way, before picking up his fourth foul and heading back to the bench. With Junior out, Southern Miss was able to pull back within two, and it really felt like Tech just needed to find one more run to pull away from this USM team that gave it their all. And Tech did just that, ending the game on a 19-7 run to bring Tech to a final score of 76 to 62 Bulldogs win. Ooh, yeah, it was not the prettiest game. No, and when I was watching it, uh it was it was really close. Uh, the first half was very very close. Uh, a lot of sloppiness, definitely playing down to their level instead of up to our level. And then at the end at the end of the half, uh, there was that great shot by Willis and 
I thought to myself, huh, maybe they'll kind of bust it open in the second half. And busted open they did, even if it was only towards the very end. Yeah, and it really felt like, honestly, one of the main things from this game that I didn't even put in the notes was that the referees, like, really... Were blowing the whistle every 10 seconds. (laughs) Because in the first half, they were not... They were allowing anything. Anything went inside. It was honestly kind of crazy to watch just how much they were, in my opinion, fouling Lofton when he was trying to get to the bucket. You know, just just holding his arm, you know, holding, doing anything they could to keep him from um, from dominating the game like he can in the in that first half. I mean, they were just really letting tough plays go, which I'm fine with if that's how you decide you're going to call a basketball game. Then in the second half, these guys blew the whistle. I mean, on every single every, possession, every like seconds. seven or eight sec- or possessions in a row. Like for both teams, they called a foul, either offensive or defensive foul on both ends of the floor. And it was just like, can we just play basketball again, please? It was very, very slow. Yeah. And so Lofton picks up that second and third foul. And it was funny. The announcers had just said like, oh, Lofton's, you know, Lofton's got one foul in the first half. So he'll be playing, you know, his normal style of basketball here to start the second half. And then all of a sudden he's got two and three. And he actually tried to tell Coach Conkle to leave him in the game. Uh, like I saw on the broadcast, he like he like waved like he was like, no, 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 I'm good. I, I got it. I got it. And Conkle was like, no, dude, <laughs> there's 18 and a half <laughs> minutes left. You're coming to the bench. But um, yeah, that, that was just kind of annoying that they seemed to like the refs huddled at halftime, I guess, and decided to change their uh, their style here in this game. Also, same crew that called the LSU game and also the same guy that uh, that blew um, the whistle on Lofton for a technical back in the Marshall game. Oh, so at least he didn't get a technical this time, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, last week I complained about a refereeing situation where nothing was being called and how that wasn't going to help Lofton because it meant that you could get away with this ticky tack things that changed the the shot and not allow junior to do junior things. But this game where everything is being called a foul on, now you have to worry about foul trouble for Lofton and making sure that he doesn't rack up too many fouls. So somewhere in the middle, please, if you could, that'd be nice. Just somewhere, somewhere where like, yeah, you slap the guy's arm. That's a foul as it should be, but you don't get weird, questionable fouls when you're just playing good defense. And that's not to say that Lofton's infallible. Like there are some fouls that he definitely commits. Oh yeah. But somewhere in between would be nice. He plays rough, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it was definitely impacting the game in a, in a negative way. Just especially like you said, Matt, it was just slow. It was like, yes. God, how am I hard to watch? (laughs) How am I sitting here? And you know, we're not even at the first media timeout yet. Like what's going on. But yeah, I mean, other than that, the game, it was just, Tech never really got anything going, I guess, is the best way to describe it. It it just it felt like shots weren't falling like they were in Rustin. It felt like, you know, it felt like Southern Miss. I mean, like I like I wrote in the notes and Nathan said, USM really seemed like they gave it their all right. I mean, they had a couple guys, uh, Pinckney and Stevenson, both put up double doubles. Um, I was sending you guys messages to how I really don't like Stevenson because he's like, you know, he's he's like a like a yeah. tough player. And, and he was the one that was guarding loft in the whole game. So like, he was the one that I felt like was fouling him pretty bad in the first half and, you know, wasn't getting called for it. But you know, the thing that I didn't like about him the most was he had two dunks and both of them. He like 
he like double clutched the rim in like celebration. And it was like, dude, <laughs> you're five and 14 right now or whatever. Like calm down. <laughs> you're not on a good basketball yeah. team, but he's a good player though. So I'll give him that. Sounds a bitch. <laughs> Anything else we want to say about this game? I'll say one last thing about USM. It, it's, it's kind of like, it's weird because they have good players that this Pinckney guy and Stevenson, they both, uh, between both of them, they scored over 40 points between the two of them with 21 rebounds between the two of them. So like these guys have talent, but like multiple times across the two games we played them, they just, they would hold the ball the whole possession and they had no sense of when the shot clock was going to be done. Right. Like they're just passing the ball around and a guy will get the ball with five seconds left on the clock and he just dribbles around for seven seconds and the, you know, they call shot clock violation. That's on the coaching, like straight up. Like you gotta, your guys have to know, you have to have that internal clock telling you like, shoot. And it's one thing if it happens like once in a season, right? That's fine. But like multiple times this happened in these two games, maybe three times across the two games, this happened where they just had the ball and tech just, you know, wasn't giving them a good look. So they just kept passing, kept dribbling and eventually ran out of time. And like, I've never really seen that happen where the team was just completely unaware of when the shot clock was going to go off. This happens more in football than in basketball, where the play clock's in a different, slightly different location, depending on the stadium layout and stuff like that. And granted, even on the road, the, the clock is up in the same place right above the hoop. But you have the crowd at home games to yell out five, four, three, like that's what basketball crowds do when the shot clock gets low and the home team has the basketball and the Southern Miss crowd was not very mm. large. Tex wasn't either, but I got a pretty good felt, crowd actually. I thought, but uh, like in Ruston. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the crowd in Ruston was pretty decent. I think it was decent. I, I was a little upset with how well this team is playing and how small the crowd is, but oh. I'm also not at yeah. the games. So there's only so much I can complain about because I'm not there either. Yeah, but, we'll, we'll talk on Saturday, uh, upcoming Saturday. We need tech yeah. fans to show up. Ooh, yeah, be, this this we'll is a, a matchup. But yeah, it, the Southern Miss fans never did. I didn't hear over the the broadcast anyway. A countdown from the crowd. Yeah. So you got to help your team out if you're Southern Miss fans, and they didn't. And I will accept their waving of the white flag even before the game ended. Is my takeaway. Yeah. But yeah. And next week's opponent will not go down so easily. Uh, before we get there, though, Massey gives uh, Massey ranks Tech 96th this week now, up from 101st. So still making progress in teaching that stubborn computer poll that, yeah, we actually are pretty good. Ken Palm ranks us 73rd. We've actually moved down a spot from 72nd in the Ken Fair. Palm rankings. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. It, but And the net rankings are... Exactly steady. We were 77th a week ago, and we're 77th today. So not a lot of movement. Really, the only poll that we moved up drastically in is the one that had us rated a little lower than the other two anyway. So uh, that's about what we expect to see going into a game against UAB. Yeah, if we want to move up in any of those rankings, now is our prime time to do it. Um, We take on UAB at home in Ruston on Saturday at 3 p.m. The game will be broadcast on Stadium. Tech has never lost to UAB at home in the Tech, uh, which, you know, I kind of always forget that. But then UAB fans bring it up all the time. So um, <laughs> so shout out our, our good friend, John, who couldn't be here tonight with us. But um, shout out to him for reminding me that UAB has never beat Tech in Ruston. Um, and Tech is currently on a 17 game home winning streak dating back to last January when we lost to Marshall. 
this season, the Blazers are 15 and four. Those four losses being to South Carolina, San Francisco, West Virginia, and Rice. And all, all of those losses came by six points or less. Their best wins of the season were against the Ken Palm number 71, St. Louis. I believe they're the Billikens. Is that right? Yeah. Um, 77 to 72. That was on the road. And then also a uh, 69 to 63 win over North Texas, who's ranked 72nd a couple weeks ago. Um, so right about where Ken Palm ranks us, we're 73rd. Uh, so those are the best wins of UAB's season so far. Their worst loss was to number 163, Rice, 85 to 80, which we talked about last week on the show. Yeah, and I got to gloat. So I'll gloat some more about picking Rice to be the scary conference team this year. <laughs> anyway, in terms of the Blazers, this is a very good basketball team. There's a reason why they're ranked as highly as they are with a Ken Palm ranking right now of uh, 44. Most categories that we normally talk about on this show, they're up there. Uh, Offensive efficiency is 43rd. That's the best in Conference USA. Defensive efficiency is 4th best in Conference USA or 65th best in the country. 3rd best in Conference USA in effective field goal percentage. Uh, 1st best in turnover rate. 2nd best in offensive rebounds. 3rd in 3-point shooting. 1st in stealing. Those are Conference USA uh, numbers. Defense, 5th best in effective field goal percentage so closer to the middle of the pack on defense it sounds like initially fifth best turnover percentage fourth best in two-point shooting third in block percentage and third or also 13th nationally in steal percentage so it sounds like there's a lot of teams in conference usa that are able to get some steals yeah yeah also all those defensive rankings you just read like you're saying fifth fifth fourth third in terms of like where they rank in conference usa they're still in the top like 10 percent of college basketball so CUSA playing some really good defense apparently um so let's talk about some places where they aren't as great offensive two-point shooting is 156th in the country it's about middle of the pack slightly better than middle of the pack and they're not great at the free throw line shooting 69 nice 0.9 percent 208th so that's just below average from the free throw line uh they're not particularly great at I guess this is a double negative, but they're not great at not getting blocked. Yeah. They get blocked quite a bit. 212th. <laughs> their, block, their block percentage is 212th when they're on offense. So they get blocked sometimes is what I think that means. <laughs> <laughs> you put the ellipses in the notes. It's supposed to be confusing. Yeah. Uh, defensively, they're not good at defending three pointers. 179th of the country. And they allow opponents to pick up a lot of offensive rebounds. 221st in the country at allowing the other team to get offensive rebounds. So this team, while very good, does have some weak points that Tech may be able to exploit. Uh, and if they do, who are some of the players that we will have to watch out for on this Blazer team? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of players to choose from here. I mean, their whole starting five is really good. They, they've got some bench players that are really good. But I'm going to pick Quan Jackson, who... Uh, plays at the two and the three he's you know he plays about two-thirds of the of minutes for UAB about half of them at the two and half of them at the three but the main threat that he has is not really as a shooting uh, guard he's phenomenal at stealing the basketball Um, his steal percentage is seventh overall in college basketball that's among all players so like we're talking about every player in college basketball this is the seventh best at stealing the basketball Um, so definitely have to watch out for him. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly from our past games, I mean, this is a guy 
that looks similar to um speedy smith when he plays defense and that's a that's fucking high praise if you watch speedy smith play basketball so yeah um he's absolutely thriving yeah (laughs) this guy apparently has a future basketball career in latvia um (laughs) but yeah i mean it's definitely need to watch out for him yeah the guy i'm picking is jordan walker seven sorry he had seven steals in the two games against tech last year so yeah he's pretty he's pretty good yeah that interruption is going to allow me to change my answer Uh, i was originally going to give it to jordan walker who uh shoots 42 percent from three so honorable mention still for that a team that he's our point guard right yeah he's our point yeah transfer from Tulane. uh he can hit a three-pointer in a game that i'm a little worried about when teams go hot from three but instead i'm going to give it to michael ortel who didn't really put up much against tech a year ago but you were talking about how Quan jackson is the seventh best stealer if uh-huh. that's how you do that in college basketball michael ortel is the fourth best avoiding turnover er <laughs> he turns the ball over on less than five percent of the times that he touches the ball or something like that so that means that he is the fourth best at avoiding those turnovers and just to take the two Southern Miss games as an example, the first game where Tech ran away with it, Southern Miss turned the ball over 14 times. The second game, they turned it over nine times. They are 11 times, sorry, by cutting out those three turnovers that made the game a lot closer. So having a guy who's able to avoid costly turnovers against a Tech team that loves to run in transition and score buckets and cause fouls and even shoot three sometimes in transition, this is a guy that can limit Tech's ability to do that. Yeah, and uh, Matt, do you have a player to pick? I do actually. Um, Trey Jemison, yep. the seven foot tall center who I envision will be matched up against uh, Lofton quite a bit. Uh, seven foot, 260. That is enormous, uh, averaging about 7.6 rebounds a game, not putting up a lot of points, obviously, not really dishing the ball out for a lot of assists. Field goal percentage is 63.2%. I imagine most of that's coming in the paint. But uh, defensively, that's going to be a handful for Lofton to get around someone who's not only very tall, but apparently very lean as well. 260 pounds and seven feet tall is uh, not very. Uh, yeah. I mean, that sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Walker's five inches shorter and 15 pounds heavier. So exactly. So, yeah. I mean, this Trey Jemison guy sounds like he is probably a fairly athletic and talented defender. It'll be very, very hard for Lofton to, and they might have to model the game around another player. Uh, I'd like to think that Lofton will be able to hold his own. He should be able to, but it might be a situation where he's used differently, like he had to be used differently against Southern Miss, yeah. at least in the first game. This is a, a great place to bring in, um, like I said, our, our friend John from Blazer Victory Pod and the G5 Beat um, could not join us tonight, but he did send me a key to the game for UAB. He said, uh, contain Lofton, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and also keep Trey Jemison and KJ Buffin, who plays at the four um, for them, out of foul trouble. He also said, should be a great game. Hopefully we can get our first ever win at the Thomas Assembly Center. Um, certainly hope not, John, but thanks for that contribution. And yeah, this, I mean, Jemison really is is going to be a key. Anytime you got a seven-footer, um, and your center is only six foot seven, even if he is Kenneth Lofton Jr., you know, that's that's a little bit scary, right? Because five inches is a lot in basketball. And I mean, we in saw what Western life. Kentucky's center did, right? It, but Western Kentucky's center is seven foot five. So, yeah, 
he had a whole 10 inches on Junior Lofton, which is just absurd. Yes. But yeah, I mean, Nathan, you also mentioned Jordan Walker. Right now, Conference USA, allkenpalm.com has Kenneth Lofton Jr. as number one and Jordan Walker as number two. Um, in terms of like the player of the year in Conference USA. So yeah. clearly UAB has a lot of weapons to choose from, um, you know, because the three of us went with players who are not currently ranked number two in Conference USA per KenPom.com. So yeah, and UAB has a great team. Tech has a great team. So it's kind of interesting to see how these polls uh, and these computers put this matchup. Ken Palm, who ranks Tech nearly 30 slots lower on their polls still think that tech will win probably do the home field advantage 75 to 74 Ooh. in a close game massey thinks that tech has a 41 percent chance to win this game 73 to 70 a uab victory predicted and the net doesn't do predictions but they rank 40 uab 42nd and tech 77th so it's, yeah. it appears at least that most of these polls think that uab is the better team but possibly Tech playing at home could make this a close game. Uh, what do y'all think? Do y'all think that the home field advantage plays that big of an, a role? Do you think that UAB just blows Tech out of the water or that Lofton dominates all game? Uh, what, are you, what is your prediction, Evan? Oh, man. I certainly hope the home court advantage shows up. You know, I I would love to be making the trip over for this game. Um, unfortunately, I have to work this weekend, so that sucks. So I can't go. But um, we we really, really need you know, the tech fans to show up in the tech, you know, put, put 4,000, put 5,000 in the tech this weekend and, and just make this a game that, you know, it it's a factor, right? If tech can get hot and run the plays that they want to run inside dominating, you know, in the paint, I think that's tech's key to victory. Obviously we got to hit some three pointers too, when they're double triple teaming often inside. Um, and UAB gives up three-pointers. You know, they're, they're 178th defensively against three-pointers. So I think that's the key to victory for Tech. And it's just going to come down to guys like Willis, guys like uh, David Green showing up again and and hitting the open hooks when they have them, right? But I'm just really rambling here because I don't know what to predict. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be a classic game, and I'm going to say 67 to 65 Tech pulls it off, beats UAB. UAB has a a potential game-winning three-pointer bounce out at the buzzer. Matt, do you think things will be quite that exciting? No. Uh, I think Tech will lose by probably between 15 and 20. Wow. Uh, I don't think – I don't see Tech being – I see this being a classic case of Tech's almost as good as this other team, but not quite. Uh, so I don't think Tech really stands a chance. I don't think that it'll be nearly as close. I think at one point UAB might be up by as much as 30, and then uh, wow. they kind of they take their foot off the gas, and that's when Tech kind of makes it a little bit closer but still ends up losing by about 15 or 20. Wow. And it'll, it'll, be, I, a define, I, it'll be a defining game for their season. Uh, we'll I mean, see Tech, how doesn't, they, Tech doesn't lose like that at home, though. Yeah, but I UAB is a, a really special team. Like when I when I they lost to Rice two weeks ago. Yeah, maybe so. But uh, Tech and UAB just I, I don't I don't see this ending uh, very closely. I see it ending in a a bit of a slaughter uh, with Tech on the receiving end. Oof. I well, I mean, I could be completely wrong. Tech could just show up and just pecker slap those bastards. I don't know, but uh, that's that's not how. Kind of what happened it. last year. 
honestly. Yeah. I mean, the games were weren't complete blowouts in Tech's favor, but uh, you know, it was expected to be a lot tougher of a of an opponent, I think, and we won by what twelve and uh, seven or something like that. So not not a, a complete pecker slap, I believe, is what yes. you just pecker <laughs> <laughs> slap the turn of phrase you just used. But yeah, um, wow. Yeah, I I don't see that happening at all. Um, I do think this game comes down to the one guy that we didn't pick, uh, like Evan mentioned a second ago, for player to watch and Jordan Walker. So I'll talk about him some here as well. Uh, so UAB's lost four games, uh, South Carolina, San Francisco, West Virginia, Rice. against In the most recent game against Rice, Jordan Walker went four of 12 from three-point land. Uh, he has an offensive rating on Ken Palm of less than 100. Uh in the West Virginia game, he went one of nine from three-point land, offensive rating of 62 on Ken Palm. San Francisco, he went two of five from three-point land, and then also one of seven from two, offensive rating of 67. South Carolina, three of eight from three-point, not bad, not awful, not great. Then one of eight in two-point shots, offensive rating of 83. There's only been one game where Ken Palm's offensive rating for this guy, Jordan Walker, is below 100. And they win the game. And that was against East Tennessee State. Wow. So a game that they should win with or without their most their best player. Tech should win that game without Lofton on the court, basically. So this game comes down to can we defend Jordan Walker? Luckily, Jordan Walker is not the seven footer. He's the point guard. And the point guard, most of the time, will be covered on defense by Kobe Williams, an elite point guard defender. And I think Kobe Williams is able to shut Jordan Walker down, keep him out of this game the same way that we kept Soli Boom out of the game last week or two weeks ago. And Tech wins this game by 10, 72-62. Yeah, I like that. I like that more than uh, what Matt just said. And hopefully we can keep this home win streak alive. And, you know, if not home win streak, definitely home not losing by more than 15 streak. <laughs> Which is not really something you, you know, you print, uh, you put on the rafters, I guess. But yeah. Uh, anyway, a lot of those rafter banners are of Texters players. And so how did the Texters do this week? Oh, man, they finally won. They played earlier today as we record on Monday and beat UTSA at home 79 to 64. Keanu Walker, Analar Roberson, and ooh, I don't know her first name, Nativi. All scored in double digits um, to lead the Texters to 79 points. And this upcoming week, they will play at UAB on Saturday. And it's giving Tech a 38% chance to win in Massey. Um, UAB is ranked 185. I believe Tech is at like 201 or something, but it hasn't accounted for today's game yet. So we'll see. And then one more thing to do, and that's this week's Tweet of the Week. This week's Tweet of the Week goes to at Hoops. Yeah, we're giving it to an official account. So what? Because they made a game day graphic for the Sunday game featuring Ben Ponder, the hero of the Thursday game, with the three-pointer at the end of the game coming off the bench. Love I it. just love, I love it. I, there's, I don't know what else to say. I just love celebrating the bench warmer coming out and hitting a three and putting him on the graphic for the next game. I, I just love it. Yeah, back, back, in, back in our time, uh, Matt, I don't know if you remember Gibby Talbert. My oh, boy, Gibby Talbert. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd would always go apeshit yeah. whenever yeah. Gibby was coming in the game. We would chant for him. Like if we were up by like 15 points with, you know, two minutes left, the crowd starts saying, Gibby, Gibby, yeah, you know, it and was... it's that kind of thing where 
you know, you just want the guy who's just there. And these guys practice all the time. They, they put in all the work, right? They're just, he's just a walk on from Shreveport, man. Just on the team, right? He's part of, he's a, he's a part of the team. And then he gets in, he has his moment and the dude drains the three. My God, what a, what a, what a time. I just wanted Gibby to take his shirt off and dance like Gibby from my Carly. And he never did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our website, where that's a blog and also a shop, gtpdd.dog, where you can still buy this month's Shirt of the Month, which is a fundraiser to raise money for the GoFundMe to help support the victims of the tornadoes that swept through the Western Kentucky area. Uh, different shirts for different schools. Of the 14 schools currently in Conference USA, each has their own shirt, and you can pick one up. All profits go to support that GoFundMe that was started by the Western Kentucky Kicker. So you should get check out one of those shirts at gtpdd.dog slash shop. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech. Please don't die. I wanted to see if we could do a really quick where are they now for Gibby Talbot and uh, his first name fully is Gilbert Talbot. And uh-huh. when I Google searched it, I got the Wikipedia page, Gilbert Talbot, the seventh Earl of Shrewsbury. Wow. So he's had a real, uh, he's had a real great post tech career, I guess. What a Apparently, what? Yeah. What is he? <laughs> the seventh Earl of Shrewsbury. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, what I'm going to post mean? a picture in the chat real quick of uh, what this guy looks like. What does that even mean? Oh, yeah. from He was styled Lord Talbot from 1582 <laughs> to 1590. <laughs> wow. I don't believe he went back in time to get painted. <laughs> this, yeah, this guy, <laughs> I was buried to Mary Cavendish. That sounds familiar. And he had no male sons. <laughs> Bitch. Yeah. He appears um, to have been a highly quarrelsome individual, feuding with not only his stepmother, but his brother and other family members, and even Elizabeth I herself. <laughs> Gibby! He also apparently fought in World War One. Jesus Christ. <laughs>